Welcome to New Day Podcast, a ministry of Redeemer Church of Madison. Join me, Pastor Gabe, for a weekly podcast devoted to discussions around church, theology, and practical issues we all face. Let's go. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. I hope everybody's doing well. Sorry, I'm I'm sitting here texting uh, my preteen daughter, um, which just feels weird for me to say that I'm texting yeah. my daughter. But um, regardless, who do we have in the studio with us this afternoon? I'm here, Chris. Shabbat Shalom, Xander Berger, muting himself <laughs> as the producer of all producery here. And I am here. Who, who, who are you? Alyssa. Alyssa, what's new with you, Alyssa? We'll start with you. Uh, Since you were supposed to do the podcast introduction. I mean, you just do so well at it. I just don't want to take that take that joy from you. I mean, you told us we, you weren't going to do it. So. <laughs> I did. <laughs> at least you were honest. Me. Yeah, we didn't believe you. We tried to call your bluff, and there was no bluff there. Mm-mm. So, Alyssa, you good? We're good. Yeah? Rocking and rolling. That's awesome. Xander? You had your first oh, bachelor bachelor weekend. weekend since you've been married, and you, you, you know the sad part. I bet you're going to tell us. Yeah, I, 100. Mariah made sure that I had food for every day and Aww, every meal before see she how left. Sweet she, is. she is the best. I do not deserve her. Um, but yeah, just I helped my parents out at their place a little bit. Got to relax at home with Wi-Fi. I uh, got a lot of schoolwork done. So it was a busy weekend, hmm. and I was just trying to keep myself focused on the fact that Mariah's off gallivanting with her family, having a great time, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm not. But that's okay. Boo. Work called. But you had the house clean when she got home. I did. Um, I had a, a drawer win. open and some clothes that still need to be put away, but I had those dishes done, and yeah, I had some flowers. So three months nice. in, what's y'all's, what's y'all's biggest uh, squabble? Or what do you most often fight about? Uh, so those would be two different things. Our biggest squabble is when um, we were working in the yard and she was going to pick up, uh, like, she's raking leaves and I'm off chopping limbs. And she came over to me at one point. She was like, I don't want to be doing this right now. I want to I want to run away. Um, and I thought it was just, I don't want to work. Mm. And so I I overreacted a little bit. I was like, this is home ownership. You know, like, we got we to gotta go after it. <laughs> And, gonna make Flat Rock look good. Oh man, <laughs> Flat Rock Kingdom. And long story short, um, when I go back inside to be like, I don't understand why you're so upset, why I feel so upset. And that's when I realized um a like a hundred spiders crawled all over her arms and legs. Mm-hmm. And she like went into the pile of loose. And I was like, Oh no, no, you had the right response. This whole place needs to burn. <laughs> Goodbye, Flat Rock. <laughs> but <laughs> that was not a terroristic threat. <laughs> Uh, for legal reasons, that no one, was a joke. <laughs> no one call the police. <laughs> no, um, yeah, but uh, I'd, I'd say that's the that was the biggest, and which I mean, it's still pretty small. Um, so thank the Lord for that grace. Mm. And probably the most often is my inability to close a cabinet door. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think it's malicious. She'd have a very polite conversation with me of "This is what I want," and then she'd leave the kitchen and drawers opened everywhere, <laughs> every cabinet opened, the microwaves open. And I'm just sitting there like a fiend. Like, oh, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> you just talked to me about it. I'm sorry. Mm. But she's very gracious to me. So that's yeah. nice. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so, Chris, Alyssa, did y'all have a good Mother's Day? Of course. I did. I did, I did too. Yeah? 
Yeah. What what quantifies as a good Mother's Day? Just people expressing love. So from the church service, the baby dedication, um, all the kids being excited to tell you about their mom and what mm-hmm. they did for their mom for Mother's Day or what their plans for the afternoon were going to be, and then to be able to spend time with my my family. Um, and at my mom's, we had she had all 11 of her children there yesterday, and um, lots of the grandkids as well but um so it was just a it was a nice day yeah and then eddie and i had a few minutes last night just to chill out and ride on the golf cart and pick some blackberries and just it was just a fun day that's so Alyssa. same question what quantifies what makes a good mother's day i think it's kind of similar but just the quality time just feels a little extra Mm. a little extra special you feel a little more appreciated and not that I don't feel appreciated, but just, I don't know, it's just something special about feeling the love from everybody. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I like seeing all of the people's posts on Facebook mm-hmm. and, you know, um, all of the words of affirmation yeah. and just... Excitement know, in yeah, the air. Yeah, excitement. And you can really see and feel all the love. So yeah. Mm. I like it. Yeah, that's awesome. What did you do for your mom for Mother's Day? I was with my mother instead of softball practice, so had to let down the team. To you know, Practice just didn't feel the same without you there. You know, you didn't have anyone hit it over to the fence. I know, it was, <laughs> it was sad. The children were safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I spent time with my, my family, and then my brother's child, so my nephew, it was dedicated yeah. um, at their church, praise the Lord, on that Sunday. Uh, so I hate that I missed it, but my parents were up for that, and then on the way back, uh, my parents drove just a little bit out of the way to spend a little bit of that in-between time between youth or church and youth. Mm. Um, so we just hung out at the house and just talked about the yard and projects that are getting done. It was nice. That's awesome. Simple time. That's awesome. So um, we'll, we'll stay with that thread. Yesterday we honored the mothers here at Redeemer, and I think one of my favorite things of the service yesterday was – all the kids coming in with the carnations at the end of the service. Yeah. That was that was pretty special. And trying to find their parents and giving it to them. And uh, that was, for more, I was standing on the stage watching all of it happen. Was was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then the, the two or three confused kids that had no clue where to go. Mm-hmm. Those were my favorite because they were desperately searching for their mom. Where's my mom? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, there was no panic yet. It was yeah. still the, the genuine excitement of, I want to find mom. Um, and then baby dedication, yeah. which really for us, I explained yesterday, it's threefold. It's parent commissioning, baby dedication, church supporting. Yes. Like it's, it's all three rolled into one. And we originally had 10. Yes. Is that right? That's correct. And um, with babies comes sickness. So two of them weren't able to make it. So we had eight babies that dedicated. Stage was full. Mm. Uh, Redeemer has taken hold of the original command to be fruitful and multiply, and I love it. Uh, Me so it too. was it was it was a pretty special moment. What's y'all's favorite takeaway from from baby dedication yesterday? Were y'all in the room for that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because, I mean, I don't know if you realize this, but church staff kind of runs around. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Chicken with the head comes off on Sunday morning. So I just had to double check everyone was in there. Well, I know you yes. were you were on stage with me. Yes. 
Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that was just funny to me. Yeah, Chris, were so. you there? Yeah. <laughs> I was I holding think. the microphone. <laughs> you remember that time I handed you the microphone? Yeah, I was there. Um, actually, that's an easy transition for me. My favorite part was Chris's um, speech, affirmation, words, closing Before. thoughts. Oh, after? Yeah, what would you call that? Uh, what would you? Is, yeah, because that's a poem you read, right? Yeah, it's kind of, it's a it, poem, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Did you write that? Uh, no, not did not write that. Gotcha. That was my Stole favorite it. part. <laughs> yeah, ode ode to Mother's Day. That's what I'll call it. Okay, we will too. Now I have Beethoven's ode <laughs> going off in my head. Um, yeah, that was just the most special part to me because yeah. it's easy as someone who's only been married for a few months, mm. um, not a mother. If you didn't know that, now you do. Um, <laughs> And sometimes it's easy for me to forget about all the different um, time frames of being a mother, the different yeah. difficulties, people who are not mothers and mm-hmm. wish they were, people mm-hmm. who were mothers and no longer are. Um, and I have some friends who are struggling with infertility, mm-hmm. um, and I did not understand the weight of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also in ministry. They live up, in, um, they live up north. Uh, but just hearing that on Mother's Day from the church, mm-hmm. that we affirm mm-hmm. the leadership of the families that come together, we also remember families that aren't being able to come together in the way in which they would want to. Right. Um, it makes me and, think about, yeah. And I always get, and I've read this for several years now, but I always still get choked up because just like this this year for Mother's Day, looking around the room, every time I'd read one of those sentences, there was someone that I knew in the audience yep. that was experiencing that very thing. I was thinking that the moment you would read off, a name would pop into my yeah. mind. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and it is a difficult day for a lot of people. Mm. So, I don't know. I just, we, we do want them to know that, um, that we, we do care about them and we do see and, and feel those things with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, any other favorite moments from Baby Dedication? I think that was a top contender for me, too. But also just seeing all of the families standing up there together <laughs> and then, you know, the church coming together and praying for them and over them. And all of that is just really special to have a church family that, you know, is rallying around you and is going to guide you through parenthood because it's not easy. Yeah. yeah. So I yep. think that was cool, too. I think that's my favorite part is the. For those that weren't in the room, we kind of do vows or covenants so that the parents will recite a covenant and then the church will recite a covenant. And again, being on stage, listening to the the decibel level of the audience proclaiming the covenant to the people is, is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Because like to your point, Alyssa, parenting is hard and it can be lonely and you think no one else is going through this. And um, I mean, I, yeah, it. it it can be difficult. So for the church to vocally say, no, we're here with you. We're going to support you no matter what it takes is pretty huge. And, and I would just kind of reaffirm, double down maybe a little bit if I can. Um, church family, we're, we are now liable for what we said. So take serious the charge of um, supporting, praying for, encouraging those parents and, the same way, parents, you, you made a covenant before God yesterday and take that charge yeah. serious. Um, One of the things I've always wanted to do and I haven't done is to have people um, that are in the audience that have done this very thing mm. to stand. Yeah. 
and um, just to for the church to be able to look around and say, you know what, I, I, see, I see you. You now have a teenage son, and I see the struggles that you're going through with mm-hmm. the teenage son, but I remember the day that, that you were on the stage with him mm-hmm. as a young child, and I, I'm going to renew my commitment to you to mm. to help you and to pray for you and yeah, that'd just be pretty special. A, just as a renewal, yeah, mm. and a renewal for the parents to say, "Yes, I made this same vow." It's kind of like when you go to a wedding and you're listening to their vows, and you know you're there with your husband, and you're thinking, "Yeah, we we said these same things." Yeah, yeah. That's good. As a, should, as a reminder. We should totally do that. Because uh, vows are, are serious. I mean, yes. they're one of the things that Xander and I have talked about, and, and I never really thought about until Xander said it, but, uh, and, and forgive us if we're about to step on some toes, but um, some of the ludicrous things people oh, say man. within their vows. <laughs> oh, I'm on record now. Like, I will, <laughs> oh, you said it. I'm just not me. This is yeah. Xander.Burger at RedeemerChurchMedicine.com. The producer of all producery. Um, like, I will love you as long as. The Georgia football game's not on. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, what's your – like, that's in stone now. That is technically – like, that is your covenantal vow. Yeah. Um, like, Georgia will, football will always come over you. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll vow to no. love you as long Just as you take no out the right trash. Now. Just yeah. say no right now. Walk so, away. So if I don't take out the trash, then covenantally you have said, I will not love you. I will not hold to faithfulness. And no one means that. They're trying to be cheeky no. and funny. Yeah. But that's a funny. serious thing for us to say and before God and for man and probably so. the only like when I'm saying the word biblical, I'm meaning like described in scripture and prescribed by scripture that every voice crack marriage is supposed to do. <laughs> I have to point it out. Insert voice crack. <laughs> Insert voice crack. Um, it's intentional. It's to make you feel more comfortable with me. <laughs> um but that is like the only part of the, the ceremony that if all of our society was wiped away, all history, all culture, and someone picked up a Bible and was remaking society and they went, what is a marriage? Oh, well, you're supposed to make vows to one another mm-hmm. before God and man. And so they would probably just go to the town square and say, hey, everyone, um, I am now bound to this person. This person is bound to me by these principles and these structures. Mm. And they'd say, okay, okay, go do it. Yep. And if you fall short, I'll call you on it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the give and take. That doesn't, dare I sound too libertarian here, but oh, well, it doesn't. For for me at least, who cares what the government says about marriage? It's the vows, it's the covenant before God that truly matters. So, let's take that part serious. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, if you want to dance down the aisle, dance down the aisle. You want to have flower boys are my favorite. With the, <laughs> Where the groomsmen the have packet, the fanny yeah. pack and they launch it. First time that ever happened, yeah, story time on a different day. But ask me about it. Redeemer, ask me about it. It's hilarious. I've done some weddings where I started to tear up. I was laughing so hard. (laughs) That's awesome. Anyways, uh, so yeah, any other big takeaways from from Mother's Day and or baby dedication yesterday? Going once. Going twice. twice. Here we go. So one of the things I'm fired up about, we keep talking about it, and we got to keep talking about it until it happens is Redeemer's 10-year birthday bash, yes. June 4th. Um, and I mean, we're going to have well, – well, I'll kick it over to you all because I don't know all the details. What What's going down at the bash? Well, our hospitality team is planning a way. So they are working diligently and 
I know some of the details. I'm sure I don't know all of the details. But um, one of the main things that's going to be happening that day is there's going to be baptisms. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks for stealing my thunder. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'll let you tell everybody. No, no, go ahead, Chris. You already said it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Try to roll my That's eyes over here. I can't thing. do it. So, but we're going to have birthday things like balloons and uh, cotton candy and popcorn and hamburgers and hot dogs. Face painting. Face painting. I heard rumor of a dunk tank. Oh, possible dunk possible. tank. Possible. A dunk and tank. First. And we're going to have some people in there that people are going to want to dunk. The elders? <laughs> <laughs> Like in the nicest and most polite way possible, my first thought was thinking of John Thomas in a dunk tank <laughs> and just an endless line of redeemer. Uh, I could say that. You can't say that. This was Xander Berger's last podcast. <laughs> it's been a good run, Xander. I feel like he'd be a great sport about it, too. Oh, he would. I feel like, he would I feel like awesome. it'd be really he fun. He would. Yeah, throw, yeah. Throw Jeff up there, JT. Yes. Get Keith with that wet beard. Oh, oh that would awesome. be priceless. That would <laughs> yes. be awesome. Yes. Oh man! It. So I guess I guess I got to get in. Is that what well, you're saying? Well, that's kind of what I was saying, yeah. but I'll I didn't do it. say it out loud. I'll do it because ain't nobody in Redeemer have a good enough arm. I've seen the softball team. I'm not so, worried. Yeah, I'll, I'll be just fine. <laughs> I ain't worried about it. I would love. Have y'all been to the fairs where the dunk tank guy talks trash the whole time? Oh yes. yeah, that's a dream goal for me. That's a dream Very job. Good. If ministry doesn't work out, that's when I'm going to oh. be that guy. <laughs> you know who it has to be? Carl. Carl would be just great. quick wit the whole time. Yeah, endless new material. I'd find three jokes that work and just keep saying them over and over. So I'll tell the story. It was it was. I know we're jumping ahead to the cutting room floor, but this was in my sermon notes, and we'll come back to June fourth. But uh, we played golf last Thursday. We played a tournament. Carl went with us. Never played golf before. And while I was getting ready to swing, uh, eye on the ball. Well, first off, he asked me <laughs> if I could see the ball over my fat belly <laughs> when I was lined up to shoot. That's I'm terrible. like, listen, man, I'm not That's that fat. <laughs> and then he also Gosh. said when I was swinging that I looked like a bobblehead <laughs> from the waist up, that everything jiggled. So, I want to know if he's that. sitting up at night with like hundreds of crumpled pieces of paper all over the place as he goes to find the joke, or if he's sitting there and just one neuron fires and he just says it the yeah. moment it goes. I, I, who knows? Who knows? He's got a gift. So anyways, uh, yeah, dunk tank, the face painting, hamburgers, hot dogs. I mean, just so much fun at the birthday celebration. And like Chris mentioned before, baptisms, uh, which is super exciting. So if you've never been baptized, you have thoughts about baptism or questions, please reach out. We'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, we've already got a couple lined up. Um, so we'd love to, to baptize as many people as possible. What a what an incredible day to be baptized on the 10th year anniversary of Redeemer Church. So uh, if the Lord's been prompting you about baptism and what that would look like, I would highly encourage just grab uh, me or one of the staff on Sunday and uh, chat with us or sh- give us a shout because uh, I would love to, to talk to you about that. It would be a pretty special pretty special moment. Yes. Are we going down into the lake with the turtles and the fish? We are not. Okay. Um, yeah, I was I was afraid you might come out of that with some kind of disease. Um, yeah, that's probably so, bacteria. fair. <laughs> yeah, so bacteria for sure. We're getting uh, a horse trough. We'll be doing fabulous horse trough on the on the grounds. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it'll be new. Don't worry. Oh, be used. Boo. Okay, we can make it used. <laughs> I'm 
sure there's plenty of people <laughs> at Redeemer Church that have a used horse trough just sitting around. We'll go get it. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that. Any other nice. details about June 4th? It's so, going to be immediately yeah. after church. So yeah. bring change clothes if you want to change into something more comfortable than what yep. you wear to church. Um, you might want to bring a one of your bag chairs or chairs you take to the ball field mm-hmm. for extra seating. Yeah. Um, come ready to have a good time. Exactly right. It's going to be awesome. It is. And as Gabe said once before, think old-fashioned homecoming and dinner on the grounds. Yeah, so any, anybody that has been part of Redeemer over the last 10 years, invite them. And, and we're not trying to sheep steal. We're not saying leave your church and come. But just for this one Sunday, come worship with us and, and help us join in celebrating what God has done over the last 10 years of Redeemer Church. So it'll be great. Are you making, fun. you making any pies, Chris? Um, I'm not sure yet what I'm doing. We do have sign-up sheets out, and we have RSCP out on the church app. But um, we're going to have some watermelon, too. Mm-hmm. So My good. favorite. Is it seedless or? Oh, it's same, same question. Thing. <laughs> I got to have something well, to spit at Mariah. It depends on which one you sign up to bring. Mm. I finally learned how you make seedless watermelon. It's very complicated. Is it from a seed? Yeah, it's it's like cross <laughs> cross pollination. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. So you make it. Is that kind of like making a mule, which is like half horse, half donkey? I'm gonna say it's not quite the same. Different different kind of pollination. We're talking right. I mean, those are plants. Talking bees. <laughs> not two next. different species. All right, what else, where, where do we go from here? <laughs> Uh, I think we should Sign dive into the... Sign up to bring a seedless yeah. watermelon if that's what you want, Sander. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sign up to bring what you want, and I think it's time for us to dive into our cutting room floor of the sermon. Cutting room floor. Good transition. There uh, you go. <laughs> so, uh, Sunday... That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, we dived into um, what Brandy and Robert affectionately called Mothers and Murder, um, because we are on Mother's Day, but as... Redeemer, we we typically don't stop as we're preaching through books of the Bible. Now we will be taking a three year three year excuse me three week break coming up around the birthday celebration uh, with a mini series uh, going through Lamentations called "Great Is Thy Faithfulness." But outside of that, we don't typically stop. And so this week we're Matthew five twenty one through twenty six, talking about uh, anger, the sixth commandment. You've heard it said, "Do not murder." I say to you, anyone that has anger. Um, Against your in your heart against a brother has committed the sin, and, and so it was a it was a pretty hard one to talk about because we started with the the purpose of Jesus fulfilling the law and not doing away with it, but saying the old covenant focused on the outside. But I'm going to give you the spirit, so we're we're not outside in, we're inside out, and that's what the difference between religion and faith is. And so we examined that, then we examined. A couple different words, raka in Aramaic, which is just insults, kind of a empty, empty brain, nitwit, kind of um, dumb person, insults to to someone's mental ability. And then we looked at fool, uh, which is, you know, a, an insult to their depravity, basically saying that they're not worthy of being saved. And so we looked at just how harmful our words can be, that if murder is the killing of the flesh, anger is the killing of the soul. So I used a quote by C.S. Lewis that talked about 
we're not bodies with a soul, but we're souls with a body. And uh, just because you didn't murder someone, kill someone, uh, that's not the only way to commit that sin. If you're using words in an, an unhealthy, negative way, that that also affects them. Uh, but then lastly, we looked at Jesus giving two different examples about reconciliation and what reconciliation really looks like for uh, the people of people of God, the, the citizens of the kingdom. And um, the, the primary thing that we looked at is Jesus says, it doesn't matter whether it's your fault or not. You must pursue reconciliation with your brother, with your sister. And so we spent a lot of time working through and, and talking about uh, that simple fact that just because Jesus pursued us and offered us reconciliation, even though he had done nothing wrong, uh, he had done everything right, we're the guilty party, but even still he pursued us. And in the same way, um, even if we've done nothing wrong, we follow the model of Jesus and pursue reconciliation in our uh, relationships with our brothers and sisters. And I've already heard of a couple of different testimonies of people taking that charge serious to leave yesterday and go um, do whatever they can do to reconcile with um, someone that they've had a falling out with. And and I just want to maybe draw a couple of conclusions and then I'll turn it over and just kind of get y'all's thoughts. But, um, you know, one of the phone calls I had this morning with a, a, a partner here at Redeemer, but he had the phone call. He, he tried to reconcile, and it did not go well. Uh, it was not received well like he was hoping it would be. And, and that's where, I mean, Scripture just say, if at possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably among all men. And so that's why I was just encouraged this brother with, you were obedient, you did what God called you to do. You can't change the heart of men. You can't change how they would react or not react. Uh, but you can lay your head on the pillow at night knowing Christ called you to do this. You follow the example of Christ and pursuing reconciliation, and you're fine. You know, like, let it, let it go at this point. You've done all that you can do. Um, now you sit back and you pray and you plead with the Lord to change their heart, but at the end of the day, you were obedient. And I thought that was um, really great of this brother. And like I said, I know there's a couple other that have taken serious this charge and are doing what, what they think the Lord has called them to do. So um, any any thoughts on sermon feedback? Uh, then I'll kind of dive real quick into one of the things I mentioned yesterday about the cutting room floor. Um, I'll share this. One of my favorite things um, that we do here at Redeemer is we have a sermon notes class for our um, ten kids that are 10 years old and up, and they go into a classroom and they listen to the sermon, um, but we have the capability because um, Xander has us on YouTube, so we can pause the sermon and um, kids can ask questions, um, they, he can, um, they can have conversations that they're not able to have when they're in the service. And so Xander taught this sermon notes class yesterday, and I picked up one of the pages that was left behind. And this is this is one of the notes that the kids wrote yesterday. Um, he said, hoping or even thinking or wishing someone was dead is as bad as murder. Calling someone something bad means that you are saying that they are stupid, worthless, and would be better dead. And then under the um, area on the sermon notes page where it says big idea and conclusion, um, he says, if you are getting mad, do not make it an unrighteous act, but seek to find peace. 
And so I think so many times we can we can learn so much from our kids mm. and what they hear. Um, just like you know what 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 these kids hear when you're talking is sometimes sometimes a little bit different than what we as adults hear. Yeah. And so um, I I just appreciate Xander and all the other leaders who take time to do the sermon notes class and help these kids to to learn how to t- listen and how to take notes because when I pick some of these papers up that are left behind, a lot of kids take their pages with them, but um, sometimes they get left behind, and when I pick them up, it there's always something on the paper that blesses me. Mm. That's awesome. So. That's mm. awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to teach. If you're out there and you're interested in being a part of it, reach out to Miss Chris. It is a really fun class to be a part of. It maybe makes me a better sermon listener, too. It really listen, does. Maybe next time you preach, I can go in there. Oh, that's a Honestly, great idea. you should. They would yeah. love it. They would love it. And, like, selfishly, as the uh, person who's also over youth, it's kind of recruiting grounds for me. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it is. So, like. Yeah, because we want we want our middle schoolers to come in as well, and, and yeah. even high schoolers if they wanted to, because my dream is for us to be able to raise up kids through this class so when they are in high school, they could teach it. Yeah. I they did not leave yeah. the class. I did not know how to listen as well to a sermon until seminary. Mm-hmm. I really wish I had something like this. It is the coolest thing we do. I share it with all my friends in ministry that yeah. you should have a sermon in this class. I agree. I agree. Uh, any other any other thoughts from the sermon? I think it was really cool and important too how you pointed out um, righteous anger versus sinful anger, yeah. really, and. Um, one thing that I was thinking about when chewing on this sermon was, you know, we teach our kids that, and I mean, it's obviously a little bit different, but Whitley, for example, I'll do something or she'll do something um, like hit or throw a toy or, you know, something and you'll address it and be like, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to hit. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to be disrespectful. It's okay to be frustrated, but it's not okay to do this. And um, I think that that was a really important takeaway for me is it's okay to have that righteous anger, but it's okay. You have to, what you do with it is what's important. Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, I, and that wasn't in my notes. I just looked up and saw him. But I mean, I think that's Mr. Bruce. And you know, he got arrested how many different times uh, when he was protesting different abortion clinics across uh, really the southeast. And I think that's a righteous anger done in the right way. He's not just sitting back and blah, 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 blah. He's, he's fighting it for the protection of the unborn and, and doing it no matter what the cost is. Um, and I, I just think, yeah, that was one of the most faithful examples I could think of within our congregation. Um, so, so the rabbit trail, and this really is totally beside the point, to be sure. Uh, I just think it's one of those um, Things to think about, like, I mean, I'll use, a, I'll use another example to tease this example out, but even this morning going through the Foundations book, and, and I might be a week or two behind, but... Um, <laughs> no judgment. Don't judge me. Um, reading about Saul and uh, Jonathan, David, or not Saul. Uh, well, yeah, Jonathan and David in that relationship, and um, you, you ready for theological... Question? Always. All right. So, uh, Christophany. Are we familiar with that phrase? Uh, so, uh, you want to answer or you want me to answer? 
yeah, so a Christophany is just a pre-incarnate representation of Jesus. Jesus yeah. So a, a theophany is maybe a little zoomed out, right? And Christophany is more specific, theophany God, Christophany Christ. And so I never considered reading through the story this morning how um, Jonathan really is, could be portrayed as a Christophany. And this might be widely held. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But he was protecting David from the wrath of his father. And mm-hmm. I, don't want to, I don't want to draw the parallel too, too much because in the example, the father is extremely wicked. That's why there's anger there. But um, what does Christ do apart from save us from the wrath of the Father? So it's those kind of, have you, have you ever, is that why you tell? So a, a Christophany would have to be like a, a, in a so I can't say incarnate. Um, so the incarnate Christ is the one who came from the Mother Mary. Sure. But Christ has always been. So the pre-incarnate Christ would be a non-flesh and blood, mm-hmm. non-human just hundred percent God. So, like we see Joshua, yeah, the the soldier. Yes, that's yeah. the one that no one can argue about because anytime an angel is worshipped, the person will reject the angel will reject the worship and say, "Don't you dare worship me." You see it in yeah. Revelation, you see it in Genesis. Yeah. Uh, but the one who stands before um, Joshua is like, "No, yeah, you better worship me." And he goes, "Who are you for?" And he goes, "I'm not for anybody. anybody. I'm for me. Yeah, my town." Um, getting chills. I love that moment. Mm. Um, so that's a Christophany. Um, that would be a lot of people would call that. Um, I'm blanking on the actual word right now, but just a Christ type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a typology. Oh, typology. Of yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I've heard that from a number of people that mm-hmm. God uses and has controlled situations throughout all of time in Scripture to have people play parts that represent Him. Yeah. So you have like Esther who does all the work, but then you have her um, uncle. Oh gosh, I'm getting in trouble for my OT professor right Mordecai? now. Mordecai, but yeah. it's her uncle. It's it the uncle, right? You're on the limb now. I'm not. Or you dad? The answer. Yeah, I'm going to say uncle for five hundred. <laughs> not dad. It's not dad. I'm Daily double. Call lifeline. I know you can rule that answer out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but Mordecai is almost representational of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. When Esther comes back to him, and says, "I know what I should do, but I don't know if I should do it or if I can do it if I get away with it," and he goes. You got to do what's right, and you got to do it now. Mm. Step up, and is that encouragement, that constant advocate and encourager? Um, so yeah, those typologies. Are Typology, represent- not Christophany. That was yeah. my. That was my bad. Um, so so, anyways, that was just a thought I'd never really considered before: is the role of Jonathan to saving mm. David from the wrath to come is a typology of Christ it's saving so us good. from the wrath to come. Mm-hmm. So say all that to say, was that the main point of that story? No. But is it is it something that we can learn and glean from? So, uh, two weeks ago, you preached on Jesus not coming to abolish the law, fulfill the law. Right. And within that, you opened up the can for the three different kinds of laws in the Old Testament that comprise what, like 614 different laws, something like that. Yeah, 727? 700, is that what it is? Let me, let me Google it. Um, While you continue talking, I'll say it. Well, I'm about to kick it to you. So, <laughs> Oh, here we go. <laughs> Multitask. Uh, and so you highlighted the three different kind of laws within the Old Testament. What are they? Um, the first and most important of which would be moral. Moral. So the, that's like the Ten Commandments, right? Yes. That's where we get that. Then you've got... The civil law. Civil and that is how Israel is to be governed and operating under a, a theophany. Yep. Um, and, and then lastly, ceremonial, and that is how you are to practice the ceremonies and rituals and rites, festivals, things of that nature. Yeah. 
And so the the point I made yesterday, which again is just kind of a one off, is not it's definitely not the big idea. But the examples that Jesus used, he starts off with the moral law. You've heard it say, the sixth commandment, don't murder, I say to you. He addresses that. Then he gets to the examples of reconciliation. And the second the first example takes place within the chamber of worship, right? So within the temple. Um, and so when we think so you take moral law out, that's already been explained, and then you've got the other two laws. So what would you say the that law represents? The ceremonial law. Yeah, right? yeah, ceremonial. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I yawned He's during one. I did finish Googling, and I'm just ashamed of myself. It's 613 I was laws. I was one off. You were one off, <laughs> and I was 114 <laughs> off. <laughs> Um, wow, Xander. Hey, I just, I followed the Pharisees. They but had I'm, extra rules. I'm proud of you that you acknowledge that. I would have just been like, oh, sorry, my phone broke. Yeah. <laughs> an answer. Um, oh. So you have the ceremonial yeah. law, right? So he's within the temple. Uh, and then the last example, they're going to court, uh, which would be the more judicial law. And so within this example, Jesus is saying, hey, Pharisees, I know what you're going to try to do. You're going to try to split hairs and say, well, it's not this set of laws, it's this set of laws. And so within that, Jesus gives the three examples to cover his basis and go, no, no, moral, civil, and ceremonial. No matter what, where you're going with it, like, I've got you mm. beat. And uh, I just, I mean, I love Jesus for a bunch of different reasons, but I love him for that. <laughs> like, yeah. he was always so far ahead of the Pharisees that, like, you just can't, you can't beat them. Uh-uh. Like, you can't win. And so was that the main part of the story? Absolutely not. Right. But is it cool to see how he structured his mm. arguments and examples to just throw down the trump card, just like, I win, I'm Jesus, uh, kiss the ring, and they still they still didn't worship him as God. Mm. So, anyways, that was the last on the cutting room floor for me that I would I would have loved to nerd out and spend more time in. But and you know where you can nerd out on stuff like that? The podcast, the podcast, and. Core seminars. Core seminars. So truth be told, um, anyone who is in the, um, I had the pleasure of teaching the Old Testament class um, on Sunday, and we were going through our second week of uh, Proverbs, and everything we talked about was a layup to the sermon. We spent most of our time trying to understand what does the Bible mean when it refers to a fool? What does the Bible mean when it refers to a wise man? How did this work together? Um, And it ended up going like 15 minutes long, not because of me necessarily, uh, but I will take blame. <laughs> I deserve the looks that are going around the room. But um, just great questions. So if you listen to the podcast and you have moments where you go, how would I ever have learned that? Well, that's a great question. The answer would be places where you learn, whether that's intentionally you just picking up books on your own and reading or joining a course seminar where we put all the information t- for you together, packet it, and have a teacher present it in what I like to say is a really fun and entertaining way. I would agree. So sign up for course seminars. Sign up. So we've got one more week left of this eight-week class. One more week, and then we're doing one course over the entirety of the summer over what is church. And it's going to be a great time. Uh, We're going to have each seminar teacher teach a different one of the classes. Uh, So you get to see all the different teaching styles and just find out what you really appreciate. Yeah, exactly right. It's going to be awesome. And what is is the uh, theological term for what is the church? Uh, that would be your eschatology for 100, please. Uh, false. Oh, wait. Ecclesiology. <laughs> eschatology is your theology of the end times. My bad. <laughs> it's Greek to me. I've bested you twice today. I know. I, this I, never happens. I don't deserve my nerd record anymore. <laughs> 
cannot believe I said eschatology. My friends who listen to this are going to mock me for ages. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> you better believe I'm mocking this out to a bunch of people. And your friends in the room are too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get pulled out of the doctoral program. <laughs> he doesn't even know what eschatology is or ecclesiology. Hey, Mid America, listen to this. <laughs> Please, no. Dr. Spradlin, run away. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right, anything else from the sermon yesterday before we transition to the thrill of orthodoxy? Going once, going twice. I do think we have one other thing to say before we dive into the book, yeah. and it's um, it's about church, and it's about what we're doing tomorrow. Would you like to talk about it? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Thank you, yes. producer of all producery. Yes, and this will be um, coming out tomorrow, and so you're going to be – uh, this will be Tuesday. So when Gabe talks about Tuesday, you're in that Tuesday. Yep, you're in that Tuesday. So uh, one of the things that when, when Brie and I started interviewing down here, we came down, I don't know, November, I think was the first time Brie and I actually came down, November 21. And, um, and of course, the, the property here is beautiful, and they took us around, showed us some things. And uh, when we pulled around the back, I, we got to the pavilion, and it was Tracy Mitchell Pavilion. And so I forgot who I was in the truck with, Rusty or Jeff, one of them. And so I said, who, who's Tracy Mitchell? Like, like, what's her story? Why does she have the pavilion named after her? Um, when did she pass away? Those kind of things. And they're well, no, she's actually still living. Uh, but Tracy was our longtime CPA that uh, really set the church up and led the church, not just financially, but uh, in corporation documents, tax documents, uh, all those kind of things that um, are, are so overlooked within – the early days of the church. It's kind of like liking it to sound people. Like you, you don't know the sound person exists until it goes wrong. And then, right. you know, they're, they're there. And same thing with Tracy. She served so faithfully behind the scenes and, and really most people didn't know she existed because things never went wrong. She just mm. handled it. And, um, so not long after we took the job, uh, Chris and Eddie said, Hey, we need to, to go meet Tracy. She was still living in, so we drove over there and got to spend some time with her. And Tracy has battled cancer for almost 10 years now. And um, she's gone through treatment, remission, and then it would come back and has really kind of gone all over her body. And so on uh, Thursday, Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, early on, Friday morning about 6 o'clock, Tracy passed away. Uh, the Lord took her home. And so... Tomorrow, uh, from 1 to 3, or 1 to 2.45-ish, we've got visitation with the family. Um, Brian Mitchell's the husband, Reagan and Jackson, the children, here at Redeemer. And then 3 o'clock, we have the ceremony. And um, it, it, she is definitely one of those legacies here that um, it's it's hard to express or even put into words all that she did behind the scenes to, to make sure that Redeemer happened. And... Uh, even, <laughs> I don't know if you were over there, but it wasn't that long ago. Uh, I guess the last, sometime last fall, I was over there hanging out with them, and she said, hey, uh, just so you know, the property taxes are going to be due on that. Mm-hmm. That Were you there for that? No, I wasn't there. Uh, but that's awesome. The property taxes are going to be due on that land. Y- y'all didn't, y'all haven't filed that you put the pavilion on it to get taxes and status on it. And, you know, I mean, just to be honest, in the moment, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like, I'm sure we've already done that. You're, you're almost. I mean, you're you're dying. You're you're weak or feeble. 
But man, lo and behold, two three months or two three weeks later, we got a bill in the mail for the property tax. <laughs> oh, and so, I mean, even at that point, just yeah. sharp and knew what she was talking about, and um, so it, it's one. She's one of those people that I wish I could have seen in action, mm-hmm. and just how how much she did for the church, how much she held things together. So, um, I would highly encourage everyone to come out tomorrow be a part of that funeral absolutely uh honor honor her and the family for the sacrifices they've made um for redeemer for the kingdom and um chris i know y'all were y'all were close and and you've known her for a long time for a long time anything anything you want to add um no she was just she was just one of those people who always knew what needed to be done and could handle it and would not be showy about it she didn't need she didn't need a lot of recognition. Um, I don't know. She was just she was just very special. Yeah, very special. And one of the things I've learned, and I, I saw her put Brian in her place a few times. Uh, she didn't take no crap. No, she was <laughs> <laughs> she was right, and she would do whatever it took. It didn't matter who was in her way. Yeah, uh, and I and I love that. I mean, it's just mm. so encouraging. So um, she will be greatly missed. I'm glad that. Um, she was alive to see the pavilion named in her honor, and um, it just it gives that that pavilion a whole different meaning. When we do the yeah. ten year celebration down there this year, um, and knowing we're going to be less than a month out away from her passing, mm-hmm. uh, just adds a whole other level to God's faithfulness and sending the right people here at the right time uh, for yes. His church to thrive and survive. And so we are we are extremely grateful she is going to be missed and. Uh, glad we got to spend as much time with her as, she, as we did. Yeah. Yeah. So, just again tomorrow, one to two forty-five. Uh, well, today, I guess. Yeah. Um, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, the sixteenth, May sixteenth, um, will be the visitation at Redeemer from one to two forty-five, and then three o'clock will be the funeral. I hope you can be there. It'll be special. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, um, anything else on that before we transition? Producer of all producers. I believe we've covered our bases. Who's ready to be thrilled by orthodoxy? If that's even the name of the book, I don't I don't know. My ticker's failing me today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh we are and this is always my my session to stop talking, and I'm gonna let Alyssa lead all of this. Take us away, fearless leader. Uh, Alyssa, are you here? <laughs> Alyssa. I wish I had a crickets <laughs> button. <laughs> Paging oh. Alyssa. Uh, so <laughs> I do have a cricket spot. <laughs> I was in a cricket spitting contest in college one time. Uh-uh. Not bad. Cricket uh. spitting? Spitting, yeah. Who could spit the cricket the farthest? Is it alive? Mm-hmm. Just make a deal with it and have it jump at the right time. I mean, it's crawling around in your mouth. Like <laughs> you gotta, oh you got to get it in the right spot to spit. No. Because if you don't, it just like, because it, his feet are really sticky, so just grab a hold of your lip. Can you so mute you, him? <laughs> you t- <laughs> Maybe that's something we should do on the birthday celebration. Cricket, Cricket spinning contest. Yeah. We'll let you go first. I'll do it. And I'll, I'll say, oh, you win. I happily volunteer <laughs> for the dunk tank. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, so uh, chapter seven, right? Chapter Correct. seven. Chapter seven, eternal stakes, epic battle. Um, so the main thing that he's talking about here, Trevor Wax is talking about, if you're following along, I think that the thesis of this chapter is comes on page 125 at the very 
Uh, next to last paragraph, last line, is simply this. Eternity hangs in the balance. And the sentence before that, there we find a different picture and emphasis on right beliefs and right actions with massive consequences. So the, the thrill of orthodoxy is simple as this. Eternity hangs in the balance. It's not a, it's not a light thing for us to talk about or deal with. When we talk about orthodoxy and orthopraxy, we're saying this matters and here's why it matters because um, our eternal soul depends on what we rightly preach and what we rightly do and believe. And um, so that's the, that's the thesis. If you're kind of following along, one of the things I've been trying to do, Loki, is teach, teach our people how to read books. So when you get to a chapter, you want to look for the author's main argument that he's going to make throughout the chapter, and that's the main argument. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to eat some ice. Sanders going to hit mute for me real quick. Goodbye, uh, Kim. And I'll let you all have some joy in this conversation. All right. So uh, while Alyssa is getting prepared to lead <laughs> us throughout this entire segment, um, is it okay if I point one thing out real quick? Please. <laughs> Wonderful. So if you have the hardback edition of The Thrill of Orthodoxy, if you go to page 126, and then it's going to be towards the bottom of the third to last paragraph, it reads, "Um, But when it came to essential Christian belief and practice, the apostles rejected any ambiguity. If the doctrine was a quote-unquote load-bearing wall in the house of faith, the apostles issued clear warnings and they raised the stakes. Um, And I think things of that nature are... Um, so fuzzy in the modern age of gray areas and um, shadowy spots where, you know, hey, that, that church doesn't teach good things. Well, that's okay. That's good for them. Uh, here we believe the Bible, uh, but that, that can't be enough. Um, and I think gone are also the days in which we can just say, I believe the Bible. Like we have to agree on what the Bible is saying, how we're interpreting the Bible, how we're understanding the application of it. Because uh, I think I've said this on the podcast before. That there's a podcast I was listening to that said, um, "Yeah, I'm I'm Orthodox. I um, I'm a literal reader of the Bible, except for things I don't like. At which point, that's just cultural. Um, so we can't we can't just say like, oh yeah, I, I affirm Scripture. We have to say that we affirm Scripture in totality. That Christ is not just Savior, but He's also Lord. Um, and that's one of the principles that are being made here. Is there anything that you have to point out in this section, Miss Chris? I have, I have highlighted that exact same quote about the load bearing wall. So good, and it is, and then it leads it leads into that next section about why the warnings, and that was the section that um, that I really appreciated. The bottom of page one twenty seven it says the warnings exist because the dangers are real, and then it flips over to the next page, and says dismissing the warning does not remove the danger. And it goes on to talk about um, taking down sign, warning signs in your life and removing the warning signs actually makes the danger greater mm-hmm. um, because then you're not looking for the thing that is dangerous. Mm. Just, it, it doesn't make it go away. It's still there, and it's going to be even more danger. Talk, it's talking about um, hiking in a high elevation and seeing the warning signs telling you not to get too close to the edge and that kind of thing. Mm. And and we do that in our life when we take down the warning signs. We don't want to hear the warnings, but the danger's still there. Yeah, you see a beware of dog sign, take it down, and somehow there's still a dog to yeah. be bewared of. Yeah. Do you have anything you found, Alyssa? Yeah, right below that, what Chris was just talking about, it says to insist 
only on what is positive and encouraging is like demanding a doctor who will only talk to us about good health without ever addressing present and future illnesses. Mm. Mm. And I just really think that that puts, it ties all of that together and puts it into perspective. Welcome back, Ann. <laughs> I'm back. Am I allowed to speak yet? You are allowed to speak. <laughs> Good. Uh, when I was when I was growing up, there used to be a pond that we'd go fish at all the time, and technically, it was right behind Bree's grandma's land. And it's a pond that they grew up at fishing and whatever. Someone bought it, and so uh, we went back there to go fish, like we always had. And they'd put no trespassing signs everywhere, so we just ripped them all down. Um, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, threw them down. So they caught us fishing, they, they came, and that was added to our fence. Not only were we trespassing, but then we'd removed all the signs, uh, and so then we got vandalism on top of trespassing. Mm-hmm. So to your point earlier, we can't just throw out the baby with the bathwater. Right. And I think the, say that to say, I think the biggest example that I got convicted of in, in this chapter is when he talks about universalism. So universalism is basically the belief that Yes, Christ came to save us from our sins, but in the end, we're all going to end up in heaven anyways. And even though theologically we might disagree with that, practically we live in such a way that that's true. And because we don't share the gospel, we don't preach the good news, we don't love people, serve people, take care of people with the gospel, <clears throat> we just act like like that, that theology doesn't exist, that hell is a real place that people are actually going there. And and I think that was uh, when we talk about the eternity lays in the balance. I think that's probably the easiest uh, level of orthodoxy we can point to is we say we believe in hell, but does much in our life reflect that? Does much in our life show mm. that there's an eagerness about us that is trying to, to lead people away from that into eternity with with him and um. Yeah, that one that was pretty convicting mm-hmm. for me uh, because I've I've shared on here before. I'm I'm not the best evangelist. I want to get better at it, and um, more often than not, I just miss the moment, and um, that's a that's a bummer that I, I want the Lord to grow me in. And on the flip side of that, he he talks about what keeps us distracted, and um, one of the quotes in there that I, I think would step on most of us as Americans, our toes, um, is when he goes through the election, right, and talks about the different um, election cycles. And um, I am missing. Page 137 at the top. It sounds like a, yep. uh, Alexa agreed with you. She <laughs> did. Chris, you are totally right. You want to you wanna read it? No, go okay. ahead. Uh, because we lack eternal perspective, every election becomes the most important in our lifetime, a struggle of life and death. And uh, how much has, has that been true and uttered, that this election cycle is going to be the most important America lies on the balance? So we'll rally people and get to the polls and share all of our opinions on Facebook, and uh, we got to vote this way, or uh, life as we know it's over. But then we turn right around, and um, the re- the reality that, Eternity is real. Hell is real. Their life will actually be over. We just stay silent on. Like, no, that doesn't really matter. But if the Democrat gets in the office, then we're done for. And uh, even there, just 
having the ability to see orthodoxy at work and in why these things actually matter. Uh, because we see First Peter, Jesus is pretty clear that there's not a ruler that has authority, that he is not a Lord over them. And so we we worry about things like that, yet for life and death and hell and heaven, we have not much uh, conviction for. So anyways, those were my big two takeaways from this chapter. I'll get political so you don't have to. That's fine. As as a follow-up to that, at the um, bottom of page 138, it says, We will devote ourselves to something that feels exciting and adventurous. We're wired that way. And if we dismiss the epic states of orthodoxy, we will raise the stakes of lesser battles. And um, it was referring back to um, the fact that some people turn the ideologies of social justice and all of the political things and all that into a form of religion. Mm. And that becomes what they're excited about and what they're going after. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and throw out my big takeaway from this, and uh, it's what made me close the book. Um, if, if you are getting into reading, my encouragement is if you ever hit a spot where you go, hmm, that, that really that hits on a, on a different level or a deeper level, close the book. Spend time just meditating, thinking about what they just said, because just because someone wrote a great book. I mean, Travin Wax so far has not been wrong to my knowledge, but at any point he could write a paragraph that is just absolute hogwash. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's the segment that really took me. Uh, so I'll read a sentence from the top of page 139 and then my big takeaway, which is in the middle of 139. Orthodoxy refuses to lower the eternal stakes and so soften the life or death urgency of following Jesus. And so we have lost the sense of the supernatural drama unfolding around us. And we think of Jesus as a prophet, a teacher, a healer, a miracle worker. But rarely do we stress his role as an exorcist. Mm. And if you asked me to list all my Jehovah Raphna and all the rest, I could probably do it. Mm. But I don't know if I would quickly launch myself to the fact that he is the great undoer of Satan. Mm. Mm. He is the one who expels demons. He is the one who they tremble and fear. And they fear God in a way that I wish I did. Um, and they recognize his authority. Yeah. That's what James says, right? Yeah. Even they shudder and believe. Yeah. Hmm. At least I got that one right. I'm doing better now. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, I mean, um, if you ever wonder why you should read books, for me, the entire book honestly comes down to that sentence. Because yeah. it made me better think of my Savior. And it made me better think of those who are enemies of Christ. Hmm. That they are in need of an exorcist. They are not the problem. People are not. As Romans would say, flesh and blood is not our enemy. Our enemy is the principalities. Yeah. Um, so thinking of Jesus as an exorcist. This is kind of flipping backwards a little bit, but it's, it goes right along with what you're saying, Xander. Um, at the bottom of one, page 134, it says, We're better off when we recognize that Jesus reached for the most awful picture language imaginable to convey a reality even worse than the images he used to describe it. And then a um, little bit on the next page, it says, We do ourselves no favors by trying to mute or dilute or downplay the eternal stakes in choosing to follow or reject him. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, I'm going to end with a quote on page 147 from the Heidelberg Catechism. 
But before I do, any anybody have any last concluding thoughts before we wrap this one up? I think I've said my piece. Alyssa, you got anything? Nothing. Miss Chris? I'm good. All right. I'll end with this. Heidelberg Catechism from the 1500s. What is your only comfort in life and death? The answer, that I'm not my own, that I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That is uh, something for us to chew on this week. Thank you for listening to New Day Podcast. The song is Fire on the Ridge by St. Howard. With what you have just heard, go and be faithful.